Okay, we are here. Thank you for joining us today. New Hope Radio. Got some good stuff coming up today. I hope that this series really blesses you because it's intended to give you tremendous assurance in your relationship with God. Assurance, confidence, boldness. We're looking at 36 things that happen to you at the moment of your salvation. Oh, and these are all good things. Oh, yeah. Nothing bad here. Every one of them is really good. When you think about salvation, it's an incredible thing. You know what it does? It grants us forgiveness for our sins, and it gets us into heaven. That's not bad. Forgiveness for our sins on the earth, and it gets us into heaven for all of eternity. And not only that, there are 36 things in all that I can find, good things that happen to the believer at that moment of faith in Christ. I call this the riches of divine grace, subtitled 36 things that happen at the moment of salvation. We saw the first nine things already. We're placed in God's plan, predestined to become like Christ. That's a good one. We're called with a holy calling. We're declared just by God. We're glorified. That means we're esteemed glorious, okay? We are elect because we're in Christ and Christ is elect. And we're chosen because we're in Christ and Christ is the chosen one. Number eight, we saw that we're redeemed, purchased out of the slave market of sin. And number nine, reconciled, which is, means that we're changed in our relationship with God. That's the first nine things. Now, they all happen simultaneously. Boom, all at once. Today, we're going to take a look at seven more. That'll give us mm, seven and nine, 16 already. Now, Let's take a look. Number 10. Oh, I guess that would be, yeah, number 10. We are related to God through propitiation. Now he says, what does that mean? Propitiation means that God is satisfied with the sacrifice of Christ. Okay? In 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, verse 2, it says, speaking of Christ himself, he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for us only, but also for those of the whole world. That means that Jesus died for the sins of everybody. When I read that, I'm like, man, nobody has to go to hell because their sins have been paid for. But they go because they refuse Christ. They reject the offer. And therefore, they haven't had that changed relationship with God. So through Christ, God is favorably disposed toward us, which makes us hopeful. You want some hope? Here's where hope comes from, the 36 things that happen at the moment of salvation. God is propitious toward... No, I know that's not a word you use every day. God is propitious, propitious toward all people. That means that he's pleased with people. 
but especially believers. Only believers have a bright future in heaven. Paul said it in Colossians 1.21, Although you were formerly alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. See, that's before salvation. Formerly alienated means given to another or belonging to another, to be the property of another. The Gentiles were given over to other gods. The Pharisees, you know, you know what Jesus said about them? John eight forty four. he says to them, and by the way, these were religious guys. You're of your father, the devil. And you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he does not stand in the truth. Because there's no truth in him. And Jesus knew the Pharisees. They wanted to murder him too. And they did. So now, speaking back to the Colossians, they were formerly alienated from God, but he has now reconciled you in fleshly, in your flesh, in his fleshly body through death. So Christ reconciled them. What did he do? He changed their relationship through his sacrifice in order to present you before him holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. That's how God sees the believer. Holy, blameless, and beyond reproach. Reconciled. Changed in our relationship with God. Okay, next God has forgiven all trespasses. All of them. What's a trespass? It's a sin. It's a violation of the law. Now, some of the things I'm saying may sound a little redundant, like I already said that one. But each one is specific to a certain work of Christ. And you know, the more specifically we know our benefits, the more hope and assurance we have, oh, especially through difficult times. You know, when things are going good, we don't need a lot of faith. We don't need a lot of assurance in God. But when things are bottoming out and we begin to doubt and worry, that's when we need strong faith. That's when these things kick in. And it's good to be grounded in the 36 things that happen at the moment of salvation. Now, Paul said in Romans 8.1, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Boom, I like that. When you're in Christ, condemnation has been removed. Again, speaking to the Colossians, Paul said in Colossians 2.13, When you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. How did he do it? Having canceled out. That means to smear or to obliterate the certificate of debt consisting of decrees against us, which was hostile to us. And he took it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. Once again, all of these decrees were stated against us, all of our sins, and Jesus took them away. He nailed them to the cross. His blood covered them. They can't be seen any longer. People struggle with this. You know why? Because we remember our sins. We also remember the sins of others, don't we? Oh, yeah. I know. You remember your sins and you remember the sins of people. The things they've done against you. But you know what Jesus did? 
He erased them all. Oh, yeah. He cleaned the slate. So now, the Bible says in Romans 8.33, watch how this works. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? Remember, we're electing Christ. God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died. Yea, rather, he was raised, who was at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. He prays for us, right? So Romans 8.1 begins with no condemnation. Romans 8.39 begins, ends with no separation. I like that. We're not condemned and we're not separated. What did Paul say? Nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. When you're in Christ, you're in love. You're in God's love. God loves you. Do you understand that? God's love is unchanging for you because you're in his son. Now, that's assurance. Positionally, we stand forgiven. Experientially, Yes, we seek forgiveness for the things we do, but we stand forgiven by God. Jesus used the example of washing the disciples' feet. He said, He who has bathed, that references salvation, needs only to wash his feet. That references your daily walk. But he's completely clean, and you are clean. So he's saying, Listen, you guys are bathed, you guys are saved. You only need to wash your feet, your daily walk. But not all of you are clean. Who's he speaking about? Judas Iscariot. Because Judas wasn't really saved. Oh, he went through the motions, didn't he? He walked with Christ. He heard the teachings. He probably handed out the fish and the bread when they fed the multitude. But he just didn't get it. He didn't connect. There's a lot of good people today. They're nice people but they don't connect. They don't get it. They're not making that connection with the gospel. And they stand lost. And if they don't make a connection with the gospel, they will die in their sins. Man, we don't want that for anybody, do we? No, we don't. Number 11. The 11th thing that happens at salvation. Delivered from the power of the sin nature. We have to remember that. We still have a sin nature, but we've been delivered from its power. How do I know? Romans 6.6. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with Christ in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. See, a slave has no rights. A slave can't make decisions for himself. Before salvation, the sin nature dominated. But now, after salvation, we have a divine nature. So the sin nature doesn't dominate any longer, only if you let it. We have the example of the seed. Think of a little seed. It has two parts. What's called the germ. That's the future plant. And then we have the outer shell. That decomposes. Okay? So... The body that dies, that's the germ that we may live. See, we live to Christ. Christ died so we can live. And by the way, 
When we accepted Christ, we took on a new nature, right? The old man dies, and a new man lives. The old you really doesn't have to control you anymore. You know, like your temper, you got a short fuse, you got no patience, you're critical, you're negative, you're worrisome. See, that's all the old nature. Now, granted, it still might be there, but you have a new nature. And you don't have to submit to the old nature anymore. You don't have to submit to worry. And you don't have to submit to having a short fuse. And you don't have to submit to all those old negative practices. You have a brand new nature. That's why Paul said, put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Now, who puts on the new self? You do. And I do. That's the choice we make. Will I live in my new nature? Or am I going to stay the old bum I used to be? Right? God gave you a new nature, but you got to live in it. It's like, here's a brand new coat. Do you want to put it on? Or are you going to wear that raggedy old thing you used to wear? Right? Put on the new coat, and you look a whole lot better. Right? I got these old sneakers. They're raggedy, but they're so comfortable. Sometimes I put them on. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're, you look at them and say, oh, those things are no good. Yeah, but they're comfortable. But they don't look good, I know. They smell too, yeah, I know. But you know what? They're comfortable. But no, wait, we got something brand new for you. We got some brand new Reeboks. Oh, they're comfortable too. Well, yes, they are. So you put on the brand new Reeboks. And all of a sudden, oh, this is, they look good. They feel good. They smell good. That's the new man. But you got to choose to put that on. We have to make a volitional choice. Will I live in the new nature that God has given me? You know the 13th thing that happens at the moment of salvation? We're free from the law. Now, some Christians think this means they don't have to abide in what is good and right any longer, that the law is done away with, right? But no, it doesn't mean that. The law represents a human system of merit. I mean, I did a message once one time. What's wrong with the Ten Commandments? Nothing. They're all good. They preserve a society. So when we talk about the law, that we're free from the law, we're free from a system of human merit. The merit system is now unreasonable since Christ fulfill the law himself. And salvation is not by means of the law. It is by means of faith. Okay? So we have a moral law that we live by, but the law isn't the basis of our salvation. Faith is the basis of our salvation. In Romans 7, 6, Paul said, but now we've been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound so that we serve in, oh, here it comes again, newness of the Spirit, and not in oldness of the letter. Got a new Spirit. It's the Spirit of the law that we keep, not the letter of the law. If the Spirit of the law says in my heart, you know what? I don't want to kill. I don't want to steal. I don't want to commit adultery. I don't want to lie. I don't want to cheat. I don't want to have false gods. No. See, we live in the spirit of the law. Number 14, 
we have become, oh, at the moment of salvation, children of God. See, when you were born anew, do you like this? I do. I love this because it builds my faith. It's giving me assurance that when I'm a real dope sometimes, I'm still saved. That's good to know. So when you were born anew through faith in Christ, God became your legitimate father. Your earthly birth is temporal. Your heavenly birth is everlasting. We've been adopted into the family of God. The phrase Jesus used to be born again, what does that mean? Born spiritually into a spiritual family. In John 3, 5, Jesus said, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Now, people have different convictions on what that means. Some call the water, water baptism, and the Spirit, Spirit baptism. I don't know. My personal opinion, you're born of the water. I believe that's your natural birth. You're born of the Spirit. I believe that's your spiritual birth. Is that 100% accurate? I don't know. There are many things in the Bible we can only speculate. We have a personal conviction, but they're, they're kind of gray. Uh, someone might have a different opinion. That's okay, too. The point is, you must be born anew. Okay? To be born again is to be born anew. The word again means, it's the word anothen, and it means from above. So we have to have a spiritual birth from above. So at the moment of faith in Christ, I'm born anew. The Holy Spirit regenerates me. He makes me alive, and he places me into the family of God. I like that. It's not an actual birth, but a new birth as part of the it's not a physical birth. It's a spiritual standing with God. We have a new standing. See, all these work together. Reconciliation, redemption, justification, salvation. They all take place simultaneously, and they all have a slightly different effect on us and not a relationship with God. So Jesus said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So it takes a spiritual birth to live in the spiritual realm. That's why people that might be very religious, but they don't have a born-again experience, cannot live in the spiritual realm. They're still living in the fleshly realm. We've got to enter the new realm. So now we live in both, don't we? As Christians, we're living in the fleshly realm here on the earth, but we also live in the spiritual realm, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, connected to God through Christ. We're accepted in the Beloved. Oh, I'm going to give a lot away because they got a long way to go. All these wonderful things happen because of our what? Spiritual birth. We've been brought into a new family, an everlasting family, the family of God. At that point, we become adopted. 
We're adopted into God's family. Ephesians 1.4. It's funny how it's written because the end of verse 4 starts off with a new sentence, in love. And then it goes into verse 5. He predestined us to adoption as sons. So you really, in order to get the whole sentence, you get to start at the end of Ephesians 1.4 and then go through verse 5. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will. Right? So God did it in love. Isn't that why somebody adopts a child? Because of love. When we think of adoption, we often think of babies or young children. But in the spiritual realm, we're adopted into God's family as adult sons. Oh, huh. How about that? And how do we get there? Well, we did need the word of God, didn't we? The law has become our tutor to lead us to Christ so that we may be justified by faith. That's Galatians 3.24. So the law showed us that we need a savior. Okay. So we now have Christ and we're no longer in need of a tutor. Therefore, what does a tutor do? A tutor brings the children to school. Back in the ancient days, a wealthy family would have... See, today a tutor is somebody that teaches the child one-on-one. Not in those days. The tutor was like the guide that brought the children to school. It was a servant. Today it would be like the school bus. Today the school bus is the tutor that brings the children to school. Okay? But now that we have Christ, we're not children any longer. We are adult sons. And we don't need the law anymore, do we? No, we don't need the law because it brought us to Christ. All right? It's like if you're following the signs to New York. Once you get to New York, you don't need the signs anymore. You're in New York. So once we've got Christ, we don't need the law anymore. We've got Christ. But of course, we live according to the spirit of the law. Okay, number 16, let's get this done. We're acceptable to God through Christ. Now, this might not seem important to you, but let me tell you, how many people think today God would never accept them? I bet we've all heard somebody say they're unworthy. They said it maybe like this. Oh, if I came to church, the roof would cave in. Did you ever hear that? I've had it. I've heard it. You know what they need to understand? If you come to Christ, you'll be acceptable to God. Oh, he'll accept you just as you are. Peter said that in 1 Peter 2.5. He said, you also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Acceptable means favored well-received, approved. See, because we're in Christ, everything we do, God accepts. Wow. We're favored because it's through Christ. Because there is no condemnation. We are declared just in Christ. So God can accept us. We've been made accepted. We're not accepted by our own merit. We've been made accepted by the merit of Christ. All right. So let me give you a summary 
of the seven things that we saw today added to the nine from last time that happen at the moment of salvation. Number 10, we're related to God through propitiation. Again, what does that mean? That Jesus made us well-pleasing to God by erasing our slate, by cleansing us of our sins. And now God sees us, and he's pleased. Number 11, he has forgiven all of our trespasses. And by the way, that speaks of um, future ones, the ones you haven't committed yet, they're forgiven too. You say, how can they be forgiven? I haven't committed them yet. Well, when Jesus died 2,000 years ago, how many sins did you commit? None, because you weren't around. So his sacrifice goes forward. So your past, present, and future sins, they're all forgiven. Now, don't be a dummy and go live in sin. Because we're talking about being thankful to God and living according to the Spirit of God and the new nature. Okay? Number 12. We're delivered from the power of the sin nature. Now we have a choice. We have a divine nature. And we have a sin nature. Someone says, oh, you know, it's like a tug of war. Do you ever have that tug of war going on inside of you? D.L. Moody taught it like you got two dogs inside of you. A black dog and a white dog. And they're fighting. Which one's going to win? The one you feed. He'll be the stronger one. If you feed your sin nature, it'll be stronger. If you feed your divine nature, it'll be stronger as well. And it will win. Number 13, we're free from the law. That's good, because that's a system of merit that we don't have to do anymore. Number 14, we're children of God. I like that. God's our Abba, Father. We're his children. Number 15, because we're adopted into God's family. And number 16, we're accepted to God through Christ. So far, we've looked at 16 wonderful things that happen simultaneously at the moment of salvation. Are we done yet? Nope. Are we there yet? Nope. (laughs) That's good. Because we get a whole lot more to cover. And again, why am I doing this? To give you assurance in your relationship with God. Give you confidence and boldness that God still loves you and nothing can separate you from his love. Thanks for coming along today. We'll see you next time for more of New Hope Radio.